Welcome to Mom and Dad Are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, July 20th. The Is My Daughter Depressed edition? I'm Zach Rosen. I make another podcast. It's called The Best Advice Show. And I'm dad to Noah, who is five, and Ami, who's two. We live in Detroit. I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer, contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who is 10, and we live in Los Angeles. I'm Leslie Cohen-Ruberry. I am a therapist, and I have a private practice and a podcast called Is My Child a Monster? It's a parenting therapy podcast. I have three adult children, Travis, who is 36, and twin girls, who are 33, Dale and Carrie. And I live in Western Connecticut. Leslie, we are so thrilled to have you with us today, especially because we've got a question that could definitely use your expertise. Our listener is worried that her nine-year-old daughter is depressed and she's not really sure what to do. We'll have some advice for her. We'll also be sharing a round of parenting triumphs and fails. And if you're sticking around for Slate Plus, we'll be talking about the middle school slow dance. Oh my God. Oh God. Is it an important rite of passage? An awkward encounter? Better left in the past? Is it still even a thing? Here's what you hear if you have Slate Plus. I remember oh. slow dancing exactly once. Um, I can't <laughs> remember if this was maybe ninth grade. I think it might have been a dance that I went to at a local boys high school. And this boy asked me to dance and we danced to Nothing Even Matters by Lauren Hill and D'Angelo. And that song nice. will always have a soft spot in my heart because of that. I've been wanting to slow dance my whole life. I've done very little slow dancing. So as we put out that call for listeners to try and find me a boyfriend, um, (laughs) I need you all to find me someone to slow dance with. To that song. Nice. That's going to be a full circle moment. For me, it's uh, the massive hit from Casey and Jojo. All my life, I pray for someone like you. Do you remember that, Jamila? I do. I hate that song. Yeah. Yeah, that's just, that's just is Bar Mitzvah Dance right there, that song. Not only do you get a whole extra segment each week, but as a Slate Plus member, you'll also get to listen to this show ad-free. No interruptions. We know as parents, you get enough of those already. It's also what we do to keep the lights on around here, so please join us if you can. You can sign up for Slate Plus now at slate.com slash momanddadplus. All right, we're going to catch up on our week in parenting as soon as we get back. Jamila, how's it going over there? It is going fine. Um, Naima and I were reunited after about 10 days apart. We've been bonding. It's been really nice. Um, About three years ago, former mom and dad are fighting host Dan Kois suggested, recommended a game called Boom Blastics. He said it's the most fun. His family loves it. I ran out and buy it. And it completely freaks a then seven-year-old Naima out. So the way you play Boom Blastics is that they're these little, I don't even know what's described them. They're sort of shaped like boomerangs, but they connect. And then you pile them up. And the object of the game is to pile as many of them up as possible before they go boom. Right? Because they can Uh pop and it's loud and they go flying everywhere. And it terrified Naima when I got it. (laughs) And so three years later, we pulled the game out last night. She says, I think I'm ready. Oh, I love it. And she was not ready. 
Oh. <laughs> I am oh. pretty good at the game. So, you know, I played for a while and let her watch me. And then they all went boom. And she was like, nope, enough of this. What is this? What does it sound like? Just a What's popping a sound. To? Like a firecracker? Yes. Okay. And it's pretty loud? It's like, pretty loud. And so, like... The little when, plastic pieces themselves make the sound? Yes. And so, huh. when one piece opens up and, like, triggers all the others, they all go flying. They all open up. And they can hit you. Yeah, it's very uncontrollable. And someone who likes to be in control and does not like surprises would not like this game. Yes. <laughs> it did not work for Naima. Oh. I said, you want to try oh. again when you're 12? She said, yep. But do you recommend this game? Sounds like you're into it. I think it's a kind of fun game. It's for players ages six and up. So there are smaller kids that can play this game, you know, without mm-hmm. problem. But Naima is not one of them. Yeah, like I love Jenga. Will I, if, if I like Jenga, will I like Boom yes, Plastics? It's in the tradition of Jenga. There's another game called Chairs that I used to play with kids in therapy so that they could mm. practice making a mistake and all of that. It's the same thing. You're piling up these chairs and they collapse because it's not easy to build them so it makes a noise it's all it's those are great games i don't think this is a failure though you tried it we tried it yeah so it's good it's adventurous of of you leslie what's going on in your world do you have a triumph or fail for us well it was a triumph um and it's really recent because at 1 last night my husband wakes me up to some flapping sounds in the hallway the backstory is that we have uh, chimney swifts that come and live in our chimney. They nest in our chimney every year. They've been doing this for about 15 years. What is a chimney swift? Thank you. A chimney swift is a kind of bird. I don't know much more to describe, except that it lives in uh, chimneys. And it's fantastic because they eat the insects and the they're, they're flying around all evening and all day eating mosquitoes and stuff. So they're wonderful. And they are protected. That much I know. They're protected. And they're really cool. They don't perch on a branch. They have this kind of saliva glue that helps them stick to the inside of a chimney. Hmm. I'm looking, I'm looking at them right now. They have this they're, kind of mi- micro beak. They're kind of weird and cute looking. Yes. Yes. And they're dark. And they make real pretty sounds. Well, in our chimney, they are noisy. They flap whoa, 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 and they <laughs> um and they chirp and we just have a house full of noise. I mean, we have empty nesters, but we are not empty nesters because we have the chimney swifts. Anyway, one fell down the chimney last night. And at 1:30 in the morning, I was using the technique of putting a bl- a little towel to calm it down when you catch it. And then that's how I transport it outside, sent it back out. It was an adventure. So how long did it take you to get it out? It felt like a while, probably only took about three to five minutes, but it was flying around before it landed and I could catch it. Yeah, the cat was petrified, even though you think cats would have fun with that activity. But the cat came running in the room and said, get me out of here. Uh, so, yeah, it wasn't too bad. Um, and it was, you know, quite the adventure. And so it was a triumph to get it out and hopefully get Mazel it back tough. up its nest. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Zach, what's been going on with you? I mentioned months ago that we were starting to try to get Ami off the pacifier. We call it a mozetz. That's what they call it in Hebrew, his mozetz. And... Like, he was doing really well for a while. He got off it completely at daycare, so he was just using it 
at night for a time, but then like he got sick, so he was using it at night and in the car, and then he went on vacation, so he was using it at night and in the car and during the day and during breakfast and during lunch and everywhere he freaking went to where like I forgot what his face looked like because it was just a massive, profound Mozart's relapse and we were on vacation as i mentioned last week for for a couple weeks and from the beginning of the vacation um until we got home led by my wife but but i was super involved as well we were we were telling ami all right ami when we get home we are going to give we we talk what what we do is we give the mozzettes away to the squirrels. That's because the squirrels need them. I don't know how we got that idea, but like we need to give the mozzettes away to the squirrels. So every day on vacation, we we're saying, have it now, but when we get home, what are we going to do? And eventually he was like, give it to the squirrels. So we were really consistently trying to prepare him. I was probably more nervous than he was. And we got home from vacation now 10 days ago. And we put them outside on the curb for the squirrels the night we got home. And that first night was really freaking hard. He was crying for them. It was like he was a newborn again, you know, just that like won't go to sleep, screaming. And I, and I was very close to, to giving in. But like we persisted that first night. The second night was somewhat easier. Third night easier than that. And now 10 days later, our guy's off. Oh, wow. Yay. We, congratulations it's, it's a big deal we're really proud of him he's not even like talking about him anymore so they were a huge part of his life like you know if, if one fell in the middle of the night i would like you know he would scream and i would like have to get up and go like find it under the bed and it was a whole it was a whole uh it was a whole thing and we're past that phase so big time triumph for my guy that's great it's very exciting yes well, on that note, we're going to take another quick break. See you back here for our listener question. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We're back. Let's hear today's listener question. Dear mom and dad, my almost nine-year-old daughter seems depressed. She's always been very reactive to the littlest thing. She leads with anger and says she's sad and mad a lot or that no one understands. Over the past week, she's had four screaming fits. They've stemmed from asking her to tidy up, asking her to get off of a screen, not allowing her to have candy, her art project didn't turn out perfectly, that kind of thing. These fits have the whole family hurting and on edge. Here's the thing. She does super great in school and has lots of friend time. She doesn't eat very well nutrient-wise, despite her best efforts. But in general, she's delightful, very engaging and loving if things go her way. 
or if she's entertained by us morning to night, which isn't always doable. She has some elements of OCD, but those are minor, according to a therapist our son saw. I'm going to ask our pediatrician about therapy, though my daughter always said she'd never speak if I brought her to talk to someone, and has always refused all medicine and vitamins, except gummies. But I'm going to try anyway. Has anyone gone through something similar? Really hoping for help today. Feeling defeated. Jamila, what do you think? You've got a daughter this age. Yes, and I've gone through, am going through some of this. Naima's been in therapy for a couple of years now, and we're still searching for some answers for some of her behaviors, and we're dealing with anger issues, and it can be really scary. So I'm sorry that you're going through this. You totally have my complete empathy, because I know. And all you want is for your little girl to be happy. It's going to be really important for you to get her some therapy. You know, um, I'm a big fan of the A Kid's Book About series um, for explaining difficult topics to young children. And they have one called A Kid's Book About Therapy. Kids are ready. And it helps make therapy less scary and, you know, explains what kids can expect from therapy. And it, you know, sort of demystifies the process of what happens when you talk to a therapist. So I would recommend getting a copy of that. Uh, It's pretty widely available. But making sure that you don't let her disinterest in therapy dissuade you all from finding one. And if you find the right therapist, they'll be warm, they'll be friendly, you know, your daughter will want to talk to them. Is there a frame that you use when you talk about therapy with Naima in a way that doesn't like stigmatize? She knows that I'm in therapy and her father's been in therapy, so she sees it as sort of a normal thing. So luckily we didn't have to worry too much about the stigma with her because, you know, it was just something she saw the adults in her life doing. Yeah. What do you think, therapist Leslie? Yeah, I was going to jump in. Okay. Um, I appreciate uh, that you were talking about supporting the mom, saying that this is really difficult because we all want the best for our children. And it's a great place to start. I'm going to slightly add a different pathway, which is helping the parents. You are at home living with the child. I I agree that a child can get help, and I love your suggestion for how to demystify therapy and educate her on what therapy is all about. But I would look at it, and you'll understand why, since I have a parenting therapy podcast, because I really believe that children go home and have to live at home with their parents. And in this letter, we hear that uh, the child does great in school, great with friends, and challenging at home. And that is not because the parents are doing anything wrong or failing in any way. That is not the assumption I would make. It's that the children, like all of us, we let down our hair and we show those parts of ourselves where we feel safe enough to be loved, and we show those parts. And you can learn strategies for understanding your child because I think what's underneath that depression, what's underneath that anger, is a highly sensitive child. Maybe a child who doesn't want to make a mistake. Maybe a child who um, sees the world as unfair. But out of her own words, she said, or at least the mom's words, that the daughter doesn't think that the parents understand her. So I really like the idea of helping parents understand their child. Yeah. So what what are some things that these parents can do to 
to help. Okay. So if I were to give a few little strategies, um, we know real estate is uh, location, location, location. For making sure our children get heard, it's validate, validate, validate. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. And it's letting your child know, because we all have the urge, as you said, to fix our children to make them happy. But if we acknowledge that they're struggling, if we acknowledge that this may not be fair, be real with them right? Be real with your child. Like you are having a fit because you're mad that I said no to you. You, I asked you to do something and you're really pissed at me. So be real with your child, but validate what you think they are experiencing, especially if you understand that they are sensitive, that asking them to do little things is a big deal. Our children are not manipulating us, you know? So there's a whole way to learn about validation. Um, very important. But yes, there's words that we can say to reflect back that we understand them and even to say, hey, I don't get what's going on. Can you help me understand? I bet you don't understand why you're throwing that tantrum. Let's sit down and get a drink of water, maybe take a break and come back and figure out what maybe what we'll, we'll work together to figure out what's going on. So validation is acknowledging what's happening. You may not have the answers as to what's happening, but hey, I can see you're having a tantrum and that you are upset with what's going on. So like, all right, they give the example of they asked her to tidy up and she and she freaks out. Right. What's an example of, of a way to validate there? Okay, so if she's freaking out, I would say, it feels really invalidating. I might use that language with her. It feels really invalidating that I just asked you to clean up. Okay? She'll say yes because I was reading my book and you're asking me to do something. Or um, you might say you must have a very good reason for not wanting to clean up. And then she'll say again, it may be another way to get to the same thing. Yes, because when you ask me to clean up, I can never do it good enough. And if I can't do it good enough, then you get mad or I get mad. It's like, wait a minute, we didn't, you know, there's so much going on inside our children. And so the validation is just to give them a pause and help everyone figure out what's going on. Misbehavior is a form of, of communication. It's giving us information if we slow down and ask, what, what is this misbehavior trying to tell me? I always wonder, like, when to try to have that introspective conversation with them. How do you kind of make sense of, of timing? Right. Well, we definitely want to realize that when the child's having the tantrum, it's really, that's their emotion mind. And that is when they are intense and the emotions are flaring. Not the best time to try to problem solve and figure it out. We usually make things worse because, A, we get caught in that fire. So now we get upset, right? So if we can say, okay, I just asked you to do something. That was really upsetting. I'm going to give you a moment, give you some space, and I'm going to come back and ask it again, but we're going to try this again. So that I acknowledge that you're in emotion mind. We don't need to discuss it right now. You can just wait and say, I can see that you're, you know, you need to scream. You know, let me know it's not working for me for you to scream at me so I can come back, give you a moment, and we can try this again, or we can approach this in another way. So there's a lot of different ways um, to begin to try to look at misbehavior with a new perspective, not just she's an angry child and she has to stop being angry. Rather, what's going on that's making her angry? Right. When we look at misbehavior differently, 
as opposed to why are you doing this to me? Why are you doing this to the family? Um, you must have a very good reason for is a really great way to get to that misbehavior, understanding it. I have a macro question for you, uh, Leslie. You've been practicing for 37 years. Do you find that kids are more depressed now than they used to be? I find when anxiety is untreated, it often leads to depression. That's not the only cause of depression, but I see a lot of that lately. So I believe there's a huge intake, not just I believe, the the numbers and the research are showing that we have an epidemic of anxiety. So yes, we have more anxiety, and I never saw this amount when I started out 37 years ago. So to answer our listeners' question, has anyone gone through something similar? Yes. Yes. Lots of us. It's very normal, right? It's very normal. My daughter, uh, Dale, says that she made me the therapist I am. She was this child to a T. It was really challenging. The whole family would not make sense of it. And her twin sister, who went to school with her and saw all of her friends, said, Dale's the perfect kid. Dale's the best. And she'd go, oh, my God, they do have no idea what I go through at home. You know, if they're siblings, then those other children are, are dealing with it, too, just like Dale and Carrie had to work out their relationship. And that was tricky as a parent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yes, you are not alone. How do you suggest that this family gets their child ready for therapy, considering that she's resistant to it? Right. Well, the first thing to say is, you know, again, validate. I hear you telling me that you're going to go to therapy and not talk. I might say that's okay. That's the therapist's problem, not yours, not mine. You're protecting yourself by going and not speaking. Let's start there. You go for three sessions. And I would like to have this conversation again with you after you do three sessions, maybe in silence, that therapist will get a workout. (laughs) That therapist will get a real workout. And let's see what happens. So make it the therapist's problem, not your daughter's problem. That's one way. The parent also mentions uh, their daughter getting upset when their art project didn't turn out well. Is there some art-centered thing that you give as homework or just like some kind of activity involving, you know, kids being able to kind of, you know, look, not have to look at the therapist and oh, a, piece of clay or a lot of therapists will uh, who work with children will have the gadget toys, the drawing, the activities. I often for depressed children, I will take a walk. Fortunately, I live in a place where we can walk and talk. I also have a dance studio. So we put a a quarter in the middle of the studio and we bounce a ball back and forth. We have to remember that children don't learn unless they feel safe. She's basically telling the parents, I don't feel safe going to a therapist, right? And so, you know, doing things that speak her language, which is playing or drawing, whatever is the language of that child, it might be walking. I have a bonfire outside my house because I have a home office. We might make a fire. Like when I work with kids, I speak their language. That's how we begin. And believe me, you get just as much therapy done sitting around a bonfire, taking a walk, playing a game of, you know, while bouncing a ball back and forth. These are really good ways of creating that safe environment where someone can learn and someone's willing to talk. Be vulnerable. Well, depressed daughter, thank you so much for writing to us. Good luck. And if anyone out there listening has advice to offer, you can always share it at momanddad at slate.com or leave us a voicemail at 646-357-9318. And that's our show. Please subscribe, leave us a rating and a review, and tell your friends. 
Leslie is going to be back with us on Monday to answer more of your questions, so don't forget to tune in. This episode of Mom and Dad are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson and Maura Curry. Shasha Leonard is the voice of our listeners. Alicia Montgomery is VP of Slate Audio. For Leslie Cohen-Rubery and Jamila Lemieux, I'm Zach Rosen. Thanks for listening. <laughs>